Amen. Turn your Bible, if you would, please, to the Mark, Mark, the book of Mark, chapter number five, please, as we study and take our journey through the book of Mark. Last week, you remember, Jesus has storms too. And we find last week, Jesus and his disciples in a storm, and they're afraid, they're scared, and they ask the Lord, don't you care that we perish? And he stilled the storm. Now today, they're out of the storm, have come to shore. We read verse number one of chapter number five of the book of Mark. Please, as we read along together now, we'd like to welcome all of those who join by way of live stream and our radio all over the world, wherever you are. God bless you, and we're glad you've joined us today. Verse one, chapter five of the book of Mark. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, He ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjourn thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? He answered, saying, My name is Legion. That's the sermon titled today. My name is Legion, for we are many. A legion in the Roman army was 6,000 men. Legion. Possibly the man could have been indwelt by 6,000 demons. We are many. The Bible said, and he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there were nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, or they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was that was done. 
And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also continue and, and concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. What a story. What a text. The chapter has been described as the chapter of the incurables. In the chapter, we see a demon-possessed man. In the chapter, we see a woman with an incurable disease. And in the same chapter, we see a dead boy laying in a bed. It seems like that none of these could be rendered or no cure in sight until the sinless Son of God stepped off the boat and stepped on the land of the Gadarenes and was confronted with this ordinary Sunday morning sinner. Naked, chains hanging about him, fetters still drooping from his body, has been inhabited and every member of his body has been taken over and now is controlled by demons. Do not confuse demons with the fallen spirits or the fallen angels in Jude and in First Peter. Demons are not fallen angels. Demons are the devil's adversaries and enmities. Demons are evil. Demons are unclean. Demons are mean. We have no idea where demons came from. There's no biblical text. There's no historical text of the origination of demons. The only thing we know about demons is they're unclean, they're wicked, they're mean, and they're numerous. And also they are the devil's henchmen, and that's why the devil's power is so unimaginable, because there's so many adversaries. Demons can possess human beings, and demons can possess animals. You say, preacher, that's just Bible. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Do not confuse demon possession with insanity. Wow. Although demons can make us go insane, 
as the modern psychiatrists might say, being psychotic is not being demon-possessed. Being psychotic just means you're out of control. You are no longer in control of your faculties. What is demon possession? Demon possession is the demons are in control of your faculties. Do not confuse these two. Preacher, can people be demon possessed today? You married them. I didn't. Have you ever seen your kids act like, and maybe you've even called them, you little demon? Have your parents, yeah, thank you, Brother Slick. I'll not tell you, Daddy, who's shaking his head. (laughs) But I would say to you that the man that we're introduced today is not your ordinary Sunday morning sinner. He is a wicked, vile Individual. In fact, if you would turn to the book of Matthew, and you don't have to today because of lack of time, in Matthew 8 and verse 28, the Bible says that he is exceedingly fierce and that no man might pass that way. Here is an individual who is so wicked and so mean and so absolutely vile that the Bible describes him as being exceedingly fierce. Luke 8 verse 27 says that he had devils a long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Here is a picture, if you please, of the individual that Jesus is confronted with. He is evil. He has long shaggy hair. He is unkept. Chains and fetters are hanging about him. He's as naked as a jaybird, as violent as any man you've ever seen. And Jesus is confronted with him there as he steps off the boat. I think the text that we've introduced to you today, number one, gives us a demonstration Of the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Last week he stilled the storm. Last week he stood on the bow of that boat and spoke and the storm hushed. The wind silent and the waves were smooth as glass. When Jesus Christ spoke, all of nature responded. I'm glad I'm on his side. I'm glad he's my savior. I'm glad he's my God. I'm glad he's my ever listener to my prayer and ever constant companion wherever I go. He is a water walker. He is a, a furnace uh, a tender. He is the lion shutter upper. He is my savior. Thank God he has power beyond our imagination. Can you say amen? I'm glad of that. Amen. You say, preacher, sometimes you act like de- you're demon possessed. No, I'm just God possessed. I like that, don't you? It is a demonstration of the power of God and the power of Christ. Secondly, it's an illustration. Verse number seven, it's an illustration. And he cried with a loud voice saying, what have I to do with thee, Jesus 
Thou son of the most high God, I adjourn thee by God that thou torment me not. Jesus is the son of God. And then in verse number 17, it says, and they begin to pray him to depart out of their coast. Wow. The people would rather have a demon that possess wild men among them is to have Jesus. Kind of like America, isn't it? Huh? Kind of like, like an, uh, America. We do not vote godliness anymore. We do not vote principle anymore. This country is about ready to go down the tubes. It's because it's an illustration. They'd rather have hogs as Jesus. They're more interested in their business than they are godliness. They're more interested in materialism. And Jesus said, no man can serve two gods. He will either love one, hate the other, or cling to one, flee from the other. Where is America going today? It is an illustration of, uh, if you please, the blindness of worldliness. Blindness. Worldliness has us blinded that we can find peace and happiness in this world. Let me ask you something. How many happy millionaires do you know? Check out the millionaires, kids. Now, I don't, you know, you say, well, I'm a millionaire. Would you tell me that? Because we're fixing to sell some bonds. <laughs> See, the Bible said, God giveth wealth and addeth no sorrow to it. Yeah, I've known a lot of wealthy folk. But can I help you a little bit? I never knew one that got to enjoy it. Somehow or another, this old world's got us blinded that happiness isn't a bunch of junk. And the more junk we get, the happier we are. And the more investments, happier we are. That's by far from the truth. This is a good illustration that people would rather have a raven, naked, demon-possessed maniac in town as to have Jesus. They were content with the maniac. They can contend with the maniac, but they couldn't contend with the sinless Son of God and they asked him to leave. And he did. You don't want him, just say so. And he'll leave. You don't want it at your house, tell him. Get out of here. And he left. Are we having fun yet? Now notice. It's not only a text that demonstrates the power and authority of God. It is a text that illustrates the blindness of materialism and of worldliness. It is also a text of illumination. Now notice quickly. Five minutes. Notice what the devil did to Legion. Secondly, what society did for Legion. Thirdly, what the Savior did for Legion. Now, I preached this message probably 30 years ago. 
Andrew won first place at youth camp with this message. I have read probably 10 messages over this text. Every one of them includes one or two or three of these points. So I guess this is about the only thing that he's trying to tell us. Look what the devil did for Legion. Are you ready? Look at your text. Look in your Bible. The first thing that he did is he made him a hard, hard, hard sinner. Verse 3. The Bible says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had off bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces neither could any man tame him and always night and day he was in the tombs and in the mountains crying and cutting himself with stones if you please I bear to suggest to you that this man has become a hard hard sinner Luke 8, 29 said he was driven of the devil into the wilderness. First of all, the devil made him a hard sinner. Secondly, he stripped of him of his self-respect. Verse number five, if you're verse number three, please. The Bible said, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. Luke says that he wore no clothes. The first thing that the devil wants you to do is to become so hard that the gospel cannot penetrate. So hard that the love of your family cannot move you. So hard that you are absolutely against everybody in the world. The devil hates your guts and wants to make you a hard, hard, hard individual, a hard-hearted, a hard-headed individual. Secondly, after he's made you hard, he wants you to lose your self-respect. He took his clothes off. That's what's wrong with America today. Listen, lady, if you do not respect yourself, respect me and keep your clothes on. Cover up that which I do not want to see. Look at Brother Jim. He's got everything covered. But the man, thank you, brother. But the man running in the tombs had no respect for anybody, including himself. And the devil wants to do that to you and to I. Because the devil wants to make a hard sinner. He stripped him of his self-respect. And notice verse 3 and 5. He has broken up his home. He is no longer at home. He is no longer with his family. He is dwelling in the tombs. He is satisfied with living in a graveyard, being in the mountains and the caves of the wilderness because the devil has driven him away from his family and away from his home. Probably he is a abuser. If he is violent, so violent that no one could pass by, perhaps he's beat his wife. And misused his children. And he is now away from home. A hard sinner. Naked. Unkept. And he has driven him absolutely insane. Look at verse 15 please. Verse 15 says. That after Jesus had had uh, sent the devil out. 
that they came to Jesus to see that which was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed, now be careful, and in his right mind. Now that's what the devil wants to do to you. That's what the devil wants to do to me. That's what the devil wants to do to your young people and your kids. And I'll tell you, he, where you've got them living in this old world, watching what they watch, playing the games that they play in, intaking what the world is feeding them. Then you wonder why your kids don't want to come to church. Then you wonder why you don't want to come to church. Because the devil not only had made him a hard sinner, stripped him of his self-respect, broken his home, drove him insane. We see these folks, we call them homeless. And we say... There's just a series of events that have and circumstances that now they have no home. I beg to differ with you. I probably would suggest to you that probably it's because of sin they have no home. Sin. Sin that takes them to the backside of the city to get those little needles that they stick in their arms. Sin where they buy those pipes. Who do you think selling those pipes? The devil's selling those pipes. The devil's selling those drugs. And the devil's pushing all of that alcohol. And the devil's pushing illicit sex. And the devil is saying, well, if you can't be satisfied with the opposite sex, then why don't you just change over? Because it's acceptable today. I say to you that all of that is the work of the devil. And he's pushing and he's driving And now notice verse 5, tormented him. Tormented. Do you know the torment of addiction? Do you know the torment of your body screaming out for just another taste of alcohol? Do you know the torment of of laying in your own filth? With DT so bad that your very muscles and sinew begins to tremble and jerk. Tears falling from your eyes, begging God for death because your body's crying out for just another dose, just another drink. Do you, do you know that torment? You know where all that came from? That's the devil's doings. Now listen to me. That's what the devil did for him. As I look around in our church, I see families that's been broken apart. I see the devil having a heyday. We might blame everything and everybody else in the world, but you put her down. The devil wants to bust your home, rob you of your kids. Rob you of all your testimony. Rob you of your self-respect. Make you so hard that you can't understand what's going on. And tormented to the very depths of your soul. That's what the devil does. Quickly. Notice what society did. 
First, they tried to rehabilitate him. Tried to rehabilitate him. Social reform. Emphasis is always on the present and on the natural and on the physical. Is that not so? They tried to reform him. They tried to rehabilitate him. They locked him up. Verse 4. And when that wouldn't work, I'm done with society. They run him out of town. By the way, ain't that what we do to folks? If our social programs don't work, what do we do? We lock them up. And if that don't work, we run them out of town, man. Get rid of them. We don't want them. Thirdly, look what the Savior did. First, he had compassion on him. How do you have compassion on a guy like that? You got to be saved. You got to be full of Jesus, I guess, to have compassion. I'll tell you what I'd have done. I'd have shot the sucker first time I saw him and told God he died with a slow death. Amen. If you, uh, you say, well, preacher, well, what if you go home this afternoon and stand in your front yards, a naked guy with chains and fetters hanging about him, hair, shaggy beard hanging down and hadn't had a bath and smelling like 15 skunks. I'm sure you just hug him and say, welcome home. That's a picture. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus had compassion on him. Notice something else Jesus did. I don't have time, but Jesus got the devil out of him. Verse 13, he said, now get out of here. You know, just get out. Go back to hell where you belong. Just get out of there. You know, that helped a lot of our homes. We just get the devil out of there. Help a lot of our lives. We just get the devil out. So i tell you how you do that. You get Jesus in and he always gets the devil out. You see, first thing Jesus did, he had compassion on him. Second thing he did is he got the devil out. And the third thing he did, he dressed him up. And when they got to Jesus, they saw the devil, man possessed with the devil, sitting clothed and in his right mind. Isn't it strange? When Jesus comes in, people won't dress up. I said, isn't it strange? When Jesus comes in, people want to dress up. Jesus didn't say, I'll tell that guy, before you sit in my lap, you dress up. Jesus didn't tell him, now what you've got to do is go get clothes on. Once he got the devil out and got Jesus in, he realized that right away. You need to go put your clothes on. Last thing he did, he sent him home. Verse, 15, verse 19, sent him home. I'm sure, like many of us, that man was ashamed of what he had done after he got saved. I'm sure that after he got saved, he said, boy, it'd be easy for me to go to the mission field and just... Leave all that trash and all them mistakes I made, just leave them alone. Jesus said, no, I don't need you on the mission field. I want you to go home and show your family and your friends what great things God hath done for thee. Last verse in the Bible said he left and went and published it throughout Decapolis. Is that what it says? Decapolis was a metroplex of 10 cities in that area when that wild man got saved he evangelized 10 complete cities and told them all what great things Jesus had done for him see what the devil did he tried to ruin him what society did they tried to fix him 
But what Jesus did is he saved him. But notice what he did for Jesus after he got saved. He published it. Let me ask something. If you're saved, how can you stay silent? If you haven't said anything to anybody this week about Jesus, if I was you, I'd check my water. Because when this guy got saved, he published it everywhere he went. They might have thought he is a fanatic. Don't you think he ought to serve Jesus with the same zeal that he served the devil? He didn't keep it hid that he was a sinner. I mean, he whooped everybody that come by. Why should he keep it a secret that he saved? I wrote this down several years ago. Andrew thought it was funny years ago. Satan said, I'll ruin him. Society said, I'll reform him. Jesus said, I'll redeem him. Satan said, you can have him. Society said, I don't want him. Jesus said, I'll take him. Satan said, I'll destroy him. Society said, I'll fix him. Jesus said, I'll save him. Satan said, I don't like him. Society said, I hate him. Jesus said, John 3, 16, I love him. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have everlasting life.